What's up, everybody? This is Fort Collins Fellows, and today we are fortunate enough to have my one of my wife's favorite people on the podcast <laughs> and uh, somebody who is very, very involved with the community and small business. And for those of you that are thinking about considering moving to Fort Collins, run a small business or an entrepreneur yourself, this is a person that you probably want to get connected with uh, as soon as you got into town. Because he's very well connected. I've known him now for probably close to 10 years, if not uh, right around yeah. that or even more. And uh, very, very grateful to have his friendship and his mind to run things by. Because I think one of the things that you will notice and enjoy is how just free speaking he is of, of his mind and his thoughts. Very, very respectful but also we'll, we'll give it to you straight. So today we've got with us Kurt Bear of Loco Think Tank. So thanks for joining us, Kurt. Hey, thanks, Patrick. And uh, yeah, I remember when we first met, you were doing maybe one of your first entrepreneurial things and you had like a scooter business thing. That's right. And you've just always had that, that great kind of seeking to serve kind of mindset that an entrepreneur needs. And so can you remind me of that business? Remind me what that was called. And stuff. It, was, it was called Designated Scooters. And honestly, we were, <laughs> we, we were just having, we were playing poker last night with like, uh, or not last night, a couple of weeks ago with a bunch of buddies. And we, they were talking about, man, you know, I was in Europe and there was this business and they pulled up a scooter and put in your truck. I was like, I ran that business here in Fort Collins. And I you, you were up. ahead of the times. I, Way I, ahead pulled, of the time. I pulled up my YouTube video and which is like super embarrassing, but I pulled up, the, it was 12 years ago was the designated scooters business. Okay. What it was. And, uh, it was, it was quite hilarious. And well, I thought you were, fun. I thought you were cool. I thought it was a neat, neat venture. And by the yeah. way, I should not forget to mention that uh, Janae is also one of my favorite people in Fort Collins <laughs> as well. So, and congratulations. Do, do I understand correctly? You had another little? Yes. Yes. We've got, uh, he's about two weeks or a week and a half, almost two weeks old. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, he's, He's already doing doing better than our first two did awesome. on on sleeping. So what's the uh, name, date, serial number on him? Yeah, born March fourth. He was our biggest baby, seven pounds eight and a half ounces, which we nice. always had six pound babies. And uh, his name is Boone Joshua, named after Boone, not named after anybody, but Joshua is our bro my brother in law, Janae's brother. So some uh, some awesome. some uh, sincerity there. But well, congratulations. I'm sure he's beautiful uh thank so thank you well well thanks for having um, me on i appreciate you coming on and, and chris and i you know we've been having fun with this this podcast and you know we're just trying to live up to uh the hype of your podcast honestly like we have uh in northern colorado i don't think have a ton of great options but i think yours stands head and shoulders above the rest at this point and has been really fun to listen to you know uh, recently, the Recycled Cycles podcast, uh, the one with Aaron Everett, the guys over at Waypoint, and just tons of different people that the value that you're bringing and just conversations that you're having, I think that's one of the things that you talk about is like, we're just gonna have a conversation and see where it goes, which is really kind of fun to watch where that goes. So thank you for bringing that to Fort Collins. Well, thank you. It's been, um, yeah, it's it's interesting starting a podcast and because always in marketing and whatever you're doing it's so hard to catch people's attention and you just got to keep doing it and yeah we're starting to get some good listenership and it's all about you know the amazing people that 
are willing to share their time with me. It's not like I'm paying them to come and share a couple of hours with me and stuff. And right. I assume I'm not getting paid for this appearance either. Is that right? Just in smiles we'll and hugs. Just, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that local, the local experience podcast is, uh, yeah, long form conversations with what I think are some of the most interesting and inspiring business leaders in our you know, Northern Colorado community. And so I'm looking forward to listening to more of the Fort Collins Fellows podcast as well. And so I hope we can be podcast friends uh, for a good while. Absolutely. That's awesome. Hey, now, Kurt, I got, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, Pat. Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, Kurt, like when I was looking into your podcast, it's in one of the questions I, I wanted to start, I did a podcast prior to this called Real Estate Ready, and we did about 50 episodes. And you know, when Patrick, Patrick and I started doing this, we're like, hey, we don't care how many people listen, we're just going to do it. You know, that you got to be dedicated to it and just commit to it. And I was really curious because I listened to your first podcast and then I listened to the most like most recent one and it kind of see the change in the intro and everything like that. But I kind of wanted like, and I know you mentioned, you know, Joe Rogan experience and like, and how I built this with Guy Raz, which I love, by the way, it's a great podcast. If anybody hasn't listened to it, but what is, what inspired you to do this podcast and, and congratulations for, you know, keeping it up and doing it for so long as well. Well, thanks. Um, I, actually had a prior podcast um, that I did with Seth Silvers of, of Story On, and it was called The Small Business Storytellers. And it was really a, a short form podcast. But yeah, I only got into podcasting maybe back in 2018. And how I built this was one of the first ones that I really listened to. And, you know, it always left me hanging a little bit. Like I wanted to know more about these people, not just like the journey and not such a quick show, more like Rogan's show where you really feel like you know somebody and and no questions are really off limits you know it felt very scripted kind of on the NPR thing even though Guy Raz is a great host but I felt like there could be more of the human side of it um, and so that was I mean I'm, I'm straight up when I think of where it came from it's a hybrid of those two things mostly mm -hmm. no it's great no I love it I mean yeah it's it's and it's one of those things where I you know when you do it in like Patrick, I was thinking about this the other day, how we have our kind of intro music. And I was like, oh, we should get like a local artist to do our intro music or something like that. And just kind of how, you know, you, I can see how it evolved and, and how you kind of, you come up with ideas and you kind of grow these and it kind of forms organically. But no, I yeah, love that's, it. Yeah, uh, that's great. That, that's uh, a Brothers Fountain is the music provider there. Okay. And uh, they are local, uh, AJ and JJ Fountain. And, and they'll probably share a track with you if you ask them. No, I liked it. <laughs> no, I think you, you hit on something right there, Chris, that I, I was just talking to my two assistants the other day that, you know, I think one thing that a lot of people get held up on is, you know, they try to make things perfect and they don't ever start and don't aren't consistent with it. And there's nothing wrong with putting something out that not, it, it, I wouldn't say it's crap by any means, because obviously you put your heart and soul into an effort and energy, but, you know, I would say, you know, like for your, your example with Kurt's, you know, his podcast, how it's evolved, you know, with me and living in Fort Collins, YouTube channel, watching some of those first videos, like it's tough, like it's hard to watch some of those videos, but I wouldn't have gotten to where I am now with that channel if I hadn't have gone through those pain points and it's okay to upgrade, update and kind of get better as you go. And so that's super respectful that you just stuck with it, honestly, Kurt, because uh, it's tough, you know, when you have 10 people watching your show or, and you've spent four, you, three hours doing the recording, you know, some editing, right, right. The, 18 the, listens a month and a half later, exactly <laughs> distribution. And you're just like, Oh, ouch. But 
it's evergreen. You know, I say that's one of the things that I think what I, I really like about YouTube, Google and podcasting is it's evergreen. Yeah. I can, you can go and if you're a new business owner and you can go and you can type in, you know, local think tank, if they're looking at joining and your podcast will come up, they can start listening to different things. And, you know, they could go down kind of a rabbit hole to get to know you and your company a little bit better. Yeah. Well, and I hope that's the case. You know, um, I love having interesting conversations with interesting people. And so that's the the nexus of the podcast. And the other benefit is it does, you know, allow us to spread the word about Loco Think Tank and doing it in a way that isn't just in your face, hey, sign up for Loco Think Tank because sure. we're not for everybody. Um, and the nice thing is, is we don't really have to make money off of the podcast, you know, by getting advertisers and getting huge listenerships. If we get, we've already gotten one new facilitator and two new facilitators and at least two members. That's huge. Because somebody they saw, somebody they knew was on the podcast and they noticed it and they're like, what's this local think tank thing anyway? I've never heard of that before. And sign me up. For sure. Speaking of which, talk to me about that. So you, your background <laughs> and kind of is, was, in, was in banking and business. You were very entrepreneurial <laughs> with your banking and kind of from there started Loco Think Tank and a couple other of uh, different ventures along the way. But talk to us about kind of where this kind of uh, How that happened. Yeah. Well, I just, you're lucky. I just wrote about this in my blog last month a little bit is what were those foundations. And so it's pretty fresh, but I was in the fall of, of 2013. Uh, so Loco just turned eight years old in February, but in the fall Congrats. of that prior year, I was trying to start a restaurant and I was meeting with landlords and this and that. And I had gotten a new boss that didn't take kindly to me taking bank time to do that kind of stuff. And long story short, I, I departed and started a banking consulting business, uh, Bear Capital Advisors, LLC. And, uh, you know, helped a couple of clients find some loans and things like that. But by the spring um, and, and during my banking season, I've been around people that were in peer advisory. And they ran some of the best businesses that I knew, you know, because they were willing to expose what they were doing to a group of people, gain their experience, share their own, and just make better decisions faster, right? And that's kind of the, the model that, that we follow as well. But I couldn't afford the $1,000 a month ticket that those groups usually cost. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them are franchises. Vistage was a, something I was a member of for a while that the bank paid for. And so I knew about those. I had been in Rotary Club for a few years, service above self. And so I knew that there were these, you know, sometimes retired business owners that were volunteering 10 hours a week at the food bank because they don't really know what else to do, but they don't really want a real job and that kind of thing. And so those factors, I had been a, trained as a discussion leader, a facilitator early in my Christian walk um, at, at Bible Study Fellowship. And that helped me to realize that a good leader of a meeting doesn't have to have all the right answers. Um, I objected to that. And so they taught me how to facilitate. So I had all these tools around me and, and really just hybridized again, no fresh ideas, but I took that volunteership and, and we created a role, what we call the local facilitator. That's a, a business veteran with a give back mindset. And we make them subcontractors to deliver the goods for a chapter of up to 12 business owners. And so I had a former Vistage chair that, that had gotten out of it and she agreed to work just for a flat fee, 500 bucks a month. I charged $150 a month to some of my friends from 
business. Some of my clients from banking and people I played ping pong with at Old Town Tuesdays, probably when I met you, uh, and and just built this first group. And uh, that group really helped me pivot away from the restaurant when I couldn't get a lease. I built a food trailer out, had a food catering business, Bears Backyard Grill, uh, ran Loco Think Tank on the side, and you know parked the grill the first winter and and was bored, didn't have anything to do. So I started another chapter and then, you know, it just kind of unfolded from there and, and kind of eventually started developing some systems and stuff. So anyway, that's a long answer to a short question, but, but it was just kind of this messy network of influences and connections. And, and I've always had a kind of a messy network of different kinds of give back stuff, plus small business and all those things. So, and the Matthews house should be mentioned as well, that kind of whole person approach to um, human services that I was familiar with. And, and I should mention, I'm holding a special event on April 14th at Sweetheart Winery, a benefit for the Matthews house. And maybe I, I can that. send you a link to put that in there or something. But um, so that was really the fourth foundation was, was looking at business owners, not just as the, the head of the machine, but also as a person that is gonna you know, suffer if they have relationship struggles with their daughter you know, or a breakup with a partner in their business or things like that. And so, so we like to say we're two parts business, one part personal, it's a, a board meeting and a support group kind of experience and all managed by these awesome people that don't need a job, but like the role that we've crafted for them. Kurt, have you, has, has you've been doing this for eight years now, 2014, you guys started it, has, you know, and these great minds come together, these business thinkers and entrepreneurs um, have, have, are there businesses in town right now that were created from these meetings? Um, not many created. Um, okay. We're not a startups organization. Our members okay. have started other business and things, but the the Small Business Development Center, Larimer County, and and some other, you know, even uh, One Million Cups and things like that are more suited to startups. We're more of a, I'm two years in and I'm trying to grow from a two-person business to a five, or I'm seven years in and I'm trying to grow from a 15 person to a 30 person business and those kind of elements gotcha. more so we're a turn good businesses great instead of start great businesses kind of an organization yeah. no that's, that's interesting yeah I just you think think tank you think where any of your minds come together kind of like we're going to create this and you know we had like Ann Hutchinson was our last interview and you know learning about the chamber of commerce and how, what role they play in small business have you got is there any correlation or any integration with like the chamber with with yours or Yes. Uh, you know, Ann and I are good friends. I'm a chamber member and uh, I've been chasing her for the podcast as well. Good job getting her before I did. But, uh, and also I was chasing her as a member, you know, when I saw yeah. that she was transitioning to that director position, we don't have a lot of nonprofit members, but we do allow one per chapter kind of thing. And only if it's yeah. like a for real business, not like a, yeah. Hey, we need donations to do this thing. And that, yeah, it's hard line to draw. And, and, and that's part of the model is, I have to attract really awesome people and at the same time, not encourage people that other people don't want to be around as much or that don't add something to the special sauce to not sign up, you know? So I'm, yeah. I'm curating a chapter, co-curating it with my facilitator because they're also there and they're the ones that are in the meetings every month and, uh, and all that. So, so yeah. Well, I know like my cousin, he's kind of got a, would you consider it kind of similar to like a BNI type group? No. Um, no, I'd like to say we're kind of the anti-BNI. 
Okay. Um, we're not <laughs> about networking. We, we're not about growing your business through selling to the people that you meet at Loco Think Tank because gotcha. you'll develop a conflict of interest that prevents you from being authentic with your group, putting your real problems on the table and, and all of that. And so instead, we'll help you to find the marketing strategy by which you're actually going to get your ideal target customer more. We'll help you hire the person that should be your office manager person and get feedback on what skill sets you're looking for as you try to replace more of the things that you're doing in your business. Gotcha. And so it's uh, it's more of a mastermind. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're about business execution, not business connections, but we do have socials and things and sure. increasingly our members refer other business owners to us and things like that. But well, but I think no, that comes kind of different. trust, you know, it's like one of those things, it's like, you don't, you're not asking for it, but you've built a year or two of trust and that just comes naturally. So that's probably, uh, makes sense. Right. And maybe I could even tell a quick story about almost what happens in these chapter meetings. Um, I was in my second year of food trucking and, and working like six or seven days a week, 70 hours, probably on the average, you know. And I brought the question to my group that it all starts the question kind of, should I add this second food trailer that I had acquired? I had a, a small trailer I could have added to my big catering wagon and done sidewalk sales and stuff. Should I get that fixed up and licensed and add it to my business so that I can stay open over this winter? And uh, once I put that question on the table, then step two is your fellow members ask you clarifying questions for 15 minutes or so before they're allowed to make any suggestions. Hmm. And so the questions that really I remember were based on in part their knowledge of who I was they've been with me for 16 or 18 months already and they ask you know Kurt you're a social guy how do you like always working when your friends have time off and always having time off when your friends are working and uh, you're a creative guy uh, now that you've created this awesome menu and brand and you're probably you know second or third place in town in terms of market share and stuff but now don't you kind of just make the same kind of food over and over again and, uh, yeah. yeah, and I was like, shut up, you know, don't, <laughs> you're, ruining, you're ruining my dream. I'm focused on <laughs> succeeding at building this food trailer business into a restaurant, you know, and, yeah. and it's hard to take those truths. And sometimes I tear up when I tell this story. And the last one was, you know, you've always been a community engaged guy, a lot of philanthropic volunteerism, things like that. How do you feel not having any time or money to, to support those kind of causes anymore? And do you think that'll change if you have food, three food trailers and a restaurant someday? <laughs> and so based on my answers to those questions, our step three is then we fill a whiteboard oftentimes up with suggestions. Mm -hmm. And the, the first suggestion out was from Chiba Hut founder, uh, Scott Jennings. Chiba Hut's been a member, his, his right-hand guy recently uh, took over a lot of that organization. But anyway, he said, Bear, you need to park that freaking food trailer in your backyard and go get a job. <laughs> and then God said, yeah, and get a job that's flexible enough that you can work on local think tank because this is scalable. I had created a second chapter already by that time and people were getting value from it. It was, we were like literally like 25% of the cost of the competing brands at that point in time. We're closer to a third now. So we've crept up a little bit, but it's still, you know, it still relies on that give back of our facilitators that want to be there, but they don't want to work too hard. We don't ask a lot out of them. We find all the members for them mostly and things like that, do all the credit card processing and a newsletter and a website and all the kind of stuff that would otherwise be kind of 
challenging to these business leaders. So, so that's kind of an overview of how we got started and, and where we've gone, you know, from there is to really segment the memberships into different strata for different tiers of businesses. So, I think anyway. that, yeah, that, that gave me a great insight in what it is. Like that, that was like, that was perfect, Kurt. And like my, because I was one of the questions I want to ask you is, I mean, you have been around, you're around business owners all the time, and to tie it into Fort Collins in Northern Colorado and everything like that, you know, I mean, Patrick has people moving to town all from all around the country. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. everybody says it's California, but like no, it's New Jersey, it's. Alabama, I mean, they're coming from all over. And yeah, and some of them have online businesses. Some yeah. of them have jobs where they get paychecks from Omaha and places. And so that's why I'm bullish on our economy here, yeah. even though the rest of the nation is probably going to suffer from the stupid spending and inflation that we've created. And, but what, what do you what do you tell these business owners that come here? So like, because I want to like, you know, if somebody's listening to this. Congratulations. Man, yeah. <laughs> and like, but is there an approach that you found that works for success in Fort Collins in Northern Colorado? Or is it is it is it kind of the same, you know, the same sauce, no matter where you are? Well, I think two things. One, I think it's the same sauce, no matter where you are. Um, I like to use the word perseverance. Uh, that's a combination of perspiration and perseverance. You know, you got to work hard for a long time, whether you're a mortgage lender or a realtor or a small business owner of any stripe, really. So once in a while, we have these rocket ships that just take right off and grow and prosper and whatever, but those are rare. You know, like even Otterbox was a 30-year overnight success, he likes mm -hmm. to say, right? Yeah. Um, so there's that, being part of the community, having a network, you know, getting involved in at least one or two nonprofit causes where you can meet people, be a part of a rotary club, you know, a, a chamber, be a part of a BNI, you know, that works for some people. It, to me, it's kind of gross because it's like forced referrals. If you refer a mortgage lender that isn't part of the group, they're going to hunt you down and scold you publicly in the room or something. <laughs> Yeah, it's easier to get like if you got like a hair business and you can you'll get clients that'll pay you twenty bucks. But if you're going in as a mortgage lender, they're like, I gotta send you my my whole life story on how much I make and what I owe. And yeah, I, I interviewed for a couple of BNI groups and and yeah, it just wasn't the right fit. And then and then you almost those businesses feel like they complete their marketing and business approaches. They rely only on the people in the BNI group. Right, and, and you know they cut themselves off from like you know other avenues of growth. That was yeah, but thing. you know my my friend Jody is a financial advisor and co-founded one of the BNIs here in town, and half of his book of business is from BNI, and he probably makes I don't know what a lot of you know well into six figures every year from those connections. And so, is it worth his every Wednesday morning for two hours? It sure is now, you know. Yeah. But yeah. again, it's perseverance. You want to, you need to be a part of that community and really be a part of that community. And yeah, and after twelve months, you might start getting some referrals. And after twenty-four months, you might start getting a few more. And then after, and it's the same at the Rotary Club, or if you're volunteering at the Boys and Girls Club, or kind of whatever. You know, if you if you seek to add value first, mm -hmm. value comes circling back to you. And so I guess that's the other, you know, perseverance and give first. You know, but also. The third bit of advice that I've given the most during my banking career and since is, uh, you know, raise your price. You, you can't, costs keep going up and especially in this economy. And so if you're not kind of setting that expectation that you're worth it, you know, sometimes the business people get more customers because they raise a price because it doesn't look like they're 
desperately looking for a few people to at least try my product now, you know? I did that in the golf business. I was a golf pro for years out in Los Angeles in mm -hmm. uh, at LA Country Club and it was high end, you know, we had, you know, just some very interesting people, a lot of people with money. And I remember I was sitting in a meeting one time, I'm like, let's just, we're raising the price. That's 25% more. And the mindset with some of these people that come in there were like, well, if it costs more, it must be better. Right. Like that, yeah, that, oh, that shirt's $110. Oh, that's obviously that's a great shirt that I'm going to pay. It must be really nice. Yep. It, must be, it must be really nice. And like that psychology was fascinating. And I remember my director of golf comes up to me, he goes, shit. He's like, we're, we're, we're still selling this. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, the other thing too is we're like a destination. Like they can only get the stuff here. So why not charge them an arm and leg? Yeah. And, uh, but I think that that same approach, you know, my wife's in the food, food blog business and, you know, she's mm. growing her business, but really battling, you know, this is an interesting conversation. Like, where do you put your prices? Because you want to be known as like a high end or you want to, you know, have that quality. But if you go too high, you know, you're going to, you know, push people away. Well, I think you put your prices where you can be authentically you, right? Like my, I, I make less as a salary now with, you know, 90 members at Logo Think Tank than I did as a banker 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so, but that's one of my values is I, I want to be price approachable for the small business owner that's got a, a $700,000 revenue business or, a, a, you know, one or $2 million business you know, we don't need a thousand dollars a month to deliver some really good value for you. We actually do that right now for $300 a month membership. And we're going to be doing a price increase here before shortly we're working on that kind of communications plan right now. But, and we're mostly going to, we're also going to kind of allow our members to have like a one-year commitment in front instead of just paying monthly. So price stays the same if you want to pay the whole year or you're going to get a little bump. Sorry, but inflation, it's Putin's fault. <laughs> Joe so Biden. You said, you said 90 members, huh? That's pretty, pretty impressive. So is that composed basically of 10 groups or right around like seven or so groups? Uh, right now it's nine groups. And uh, yeah, we cap them at 12. Uh, we've got a couple that are uh, like ones at six, ones at eight right now. So those are my kind of working on getting those groups back up to a healthy, we like to be at 10 or 10 or so or more. And we've, like I mentioned earlier, we've kind of stratified a bit. So we've got two groups for like five and fewer employees, typically under a half million in revenue. We've got four for uh, three rather, no four, no just, yeah, three thinkers for the middle size, kind of up to 25 employees. We've got a catalyst group for key employees and then two, what we call next level groups for- Tiger groups. Yeah, more like the Tigers, you know, they're running five, 10, $20 million companies. Again, all diverse industries. That's part of our, our thing is like when you, when you're in one industry, you start to think just like people in that industry think. And so getting outside perspective, as well as like insights into your business from outside your doors can really be valuable. So we've got two next level groups right now and uh, soon launching in April, uh, next level catalyst. So the key employees of those larger member groups will have a place where they can, you know, learn how to manage their relationship with the owner and relationship with the rest of the team. A lot of times the owners are trying to increasingly do less in the business, let other people do most of the, most of the daily requirements so they can take longer trips and stuff like that. Speaking of which, do you, do you feel that uh, loco think tank might have had a, a hand in what has been in the papers quite a bit recently with Biz West and uh, even I think Colorado has had it, but Da Vinci becoming kind of more of a, an ESOP. Do you feel that Loco Think Tank had something to say about that? 
Well, I'm sure his members did. I haven't been in the room uh, with John there, but John's been a member of Loco Think Tank for a long time. He actually, way back when we started the second group, he was a member, but he was like so much bigger than all of the other members at that time. We didn't have the next level groups that uh, he didn't really find as much value there. And that he was sure. part of the inspiration really for doing the next level. But I'm definitely sure that that influence from that group and even probably connections with how to do it. I know uh, another now former member is right in John's neighborhood there that, that went ESOP uh, a year before. So I think he was kind of the inspiration, but, you know, vetting a question like that, you're like, should I, should I do this? Should I sell the company to my employees? And how can I make sure that they don't crash it and burn it? You know, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and he'll be involved there for a good while. I think John only works pretty much. I know, right? Not only he works a lot, but then he plays hard too. He just mm-hmm. takes a lot more trips than I do. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a good guy. Um, good guy. And I'm sure it was probably pretty fun to, to, for he and his members to be kind of a part of that, to see that process. And again, you know, like you said, add value for somebody who had had that experience that he could kind of leverage, ask where were the pitfalls? What should I avoid? Yeah. What Uh, attorney should I talk to? Which one should I not talk to? Absolutely. Yeah. Those types, I mean, that's invaluable. And, uh, you know, the, the typical are one of the things that I definitely like to talk about is, you know, your net worth is your net, you know, your network. And I think Mm -hmm. that here in Fort Collins, I'm very fortunate that, you know, been born and raised here very, you know, family has been around a long, long time and have a, a solid network, but it is something that if you're not intentionally building, which I am not, I'm, I'm like the worst realtor ever because I do not go like a network. I like do every, all my marketing is like, I'm very marketing, attraction marketing, and then, but I hate networking. I love friendships and like diving into my friendships and relationships, but like you will but not find got, me at a network. You've got three littles, you know, you've got three <laughs> littles at home. So you're allowed to just be like a, a YouTube star and uh, spend more time with your kids. You don't need to go to BNI and whatnot. Yeah. My, my, old, my boss right now, when I got started, I would go to these networking groups and I go, how come you never go to these networking groups? He goes, cause the people that go to those aren't doing any business. The people that are, I'm too busy working and making money. I was like, Oh, I guess. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they all want to go there and just chat with everybody. And he goes, pick up the phone, start calling people. And I'm like, okay. And he was right. I mean, you know, I mean, there's, totally. there's a bit of that. There's a bit of that where, you know, it is, it, it is beneficial, but he was like, no, he goes, I just feel like most of the people go there, go for the social aspect and aren't really actually doing the work to grow their business. Eh, yes. Know? And you need a network. You know, if you're just getting into yeah. business and you don't really know people, you know, mm. you pick up the phone and start calling people and you're like, I just became a realtor six months ago. Can <laughs> I have your listing? And they're like, bite me, you know, but yeah. if somebody, if somebody at your networking group that you've become friendly with has yeah. a sister-in-law that's moving to town and needs a realtor, they're going to be like, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe you should try Chris. He's a nice guy. He's in my, be- be and you know what's is no, no family member ever. I haven't I've ever done a single deal for my family members. Ooh, that actually it, speaks it, kind ooh, of sad. Huh? Yeah, I know. I don't, well, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and when I was thinking about this, I was like, you know, sometimes from the mortgage side of things, they're embarrassed. They don't want you to see their credit score. They don't mm. want to see your finances. And so, you know, I, when I tell, new lenders that are coming into the business, I go, don't rely on your family members. I mean, like I'm doing one for my brother-in-law right now in California, yeah. but you know, you think that's the easy get from the lending side, but actually, it, you know, they can be embarrassed to, they don't want you to see all the, you know, maybe what, what they do or don't have. Well, I've got probably um, three special talents, I think. Um, 
One of them is I have a, a special talent to identify special talent, I like to say. The other one that you made me think of just there is that people have forever been surprisingly transparent with me and authentic and sometimes tell me things that, that they surprise us both, even when I was a banker and things. And in the podcast format, that's probably because I say things that are like awkward and should be embarrassing, but I don't seem to be embarrassed. So they're like, yeah, I guess he's, he's opened the table for this kind of conversation. That's huh? good content. Yeah, that's, that's what people want to hear. Yeah, no, I, 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 like I said, you know, I, Kurt is definitely uh, my wife where, you know, we've gone out over to his place for dinner and just really enjoy the conversation. And it's, it, that's probably the best way you could put it. It's just very authentic. You don't feel like there's any punches pulled or that they're towing around the line. It's, he'll be, Kurt will be very respectful, uh, understand your point, be happy to have a very open conversation, but then give you exactly what his thoughts and feelings are and you know with a smile on his face and his smile is infectious so it's not like he's <laughs> coming at you kind of like a jerk it's like no this is what i feel and you know let's talk well i've i've, uh, I've taken some shrapnel uh, for some of my blogs the last uh, couple of years and things with uh, you know being a relatively staunch libertarian in the face of shutdowns and mandates and things like that and <laughs> you know so uh, i've taken some slings and arrows my staff has encouraged me to try not to take too many you know, you can be edgy and thought provoking, but, you know, maybe hold your cards just a little bit occasionally. Well, what was it on one of your recent podcasts? I think it was, I think it was with Aaron and you were talking about, you know, one of your, one of your guests, I think was like saying uh, you need to get canceled or something. And you're like, no, I'm going to cancel you. And, you know, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, one of my, well, I, I shared a, a t-shirt like Donald Trump Jr. had a t-shirt that he made up that said, uh, guns don't kill people. Alec Baldwin kills people, right? And Jesus. and and my the guy that was a guest in my podcast, like respectfully, you know, wrote me and said, "Hey, I don't really want to be associated with you, and can you please remove my episode from your thing?" And I'm not going to say who it was or anything, but I was, you know, at first I said, kind of, yeah, and then I thought, no, you can't like ask me to cancel myself. Like this conversation happened, like I don't. I'm not going to do that. What, what, have, what have you learned the most? Like, what have you gotten most out of your your uh, your podcast, Kurt? Like, you know, you, you, how many episodes have you done? I mean, it's I think we've released fifty three now. Fifty three. Uh, like, what what what's your biggest takeaway from it? Like, what did what's something that you're like? I never thought I was going to get this by doing this podcast. Hmm. Well, I don't know, and I should mention actually also my co-creator uh, Rory Shar did uh, maybe 25 or so what we call the shorts episodes more of a zoom based format yeah. and and then deb did a handful of shorts before we kind of decided that we could just stick with the big long format thing so things i've learned you know i think probably one of the things i've learned the most is how refreshing it is to people to like strap on the headphones and be here with, in a microphone with me and just like be listened to and like, for the most part, I would say that that two hours is among their favorite hours of the week or the month uh, yeah. for most of my guests. And so that's been the blessing. And I think it is because of that just a relative scarcity of being listened to. And so maybe that would be my my tip to like business people generally and and, you know, especially as you're growing a team and things like that you know, spend so much more time listening than telling and, and you'll be a happier manager, spouse, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
Do you ever listen to the, Rec- the Lex Friedman podcast? I do. I started listening to that just recently. He's pretty intriguing and he's, he's an he's amazing guest. Amazing. I mean, uh, the, the interview we did with uh, Elon Musk um, recently was amazing. But no, mm. I, I he his name keep popping up from like, there's another one with uh, um, Patrick O'Shaughnessy. He does Invest Like the Best, which is a great podcast. Okay. It's on like finances and stuff like that. But he he always references Lex, just how he's an amazing interviewee or and but he he'll just sit there and listen like right. he won't even, like you think he's getting ready to respond and he just sits there and he just lets you know the guests kind of let their mind go and then they just kind of goes on this other route and all this other route yeah it's a yeah. great podcast thank you yeah i i agree i agree you do a great i think about that kurt i think like what listening to your podcast you do talk five ten percent of the time maybe yeah, I, there's probably stretches where I do 20% or, yeah. or a little more. Sometimes I tell a little story to make sure they know I'm listening kind of and stuff. But Definitely. but yeah, probably probably uh, 80% of the time is them at least. But I think that's prob- probably a lot too from, like you said, with like your background as a facilitator, you've been able to facilitate, you know, these conversations to free flow, but like also not not lead in any type of direction, but just be able to continue a, you know, down a good topic or pivot to something that might be very interesting to talk about. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, well, and it's, I, I didn't anticipate venturing here, but last year we were studying Halos Relational Intelligence is a, is a certification that myself and some of my team have done. And I, I shouldn't try to unfold it here, but, but basically it's kind of like a disc or a Myers-Briggs, but Halos is five colors and my colors are white and green as my my essence, my archetype. White is the idea person, principles, values, things, but doesn't really like telling people, more likes asking questions. And then the green type is the social relational that's always wanting to connect with people and listen and understand. So my type is basically like, even in my name of my business, Loco Think Tank is kind of defined. It's local community think tank, you know, and it's thinking and it's community and that's what we do. And so, um, that like learning about yourself, I guess, is something else that I think is probably worthy for, for anybody moving here, moving to the community, however fashion that is, like doing some of those kinds of things. Look me up if you're curious about Halos. It's a Brazilian system, brand new in America, but it's simpler and better than, uh, than what else you're going to find out there. And so uh, happy to share more. But, but like my, my staffer, Alma, she's a blue-brown. Blue is organizer, detail, and then brown is like process and systems. And so by going through this training, and she's also 19 now and reserved, and by going through this training, she realized that the things that she has perspective on and understands, I might not, and neither will my other teammate. And so not only is she open to sharing, like her input is welcome, like is what kind of companies a lot of times want to do. Now she knows it's almost essential because it's going to be a different perspective from a different kind of thinker than who else is in the room. And so that's probably like really listening to understand, but also helping your team understand themselves and what those relational elements are in some fashion, whatever you do, do it, whatever system you might engage in. And, and I have a lot to say about that, but I think that's, I've always said that, to build a strong business, it's all about the, the kind of the tribe that you can gather around you. You know, for your guys' business, it's maybe you and, a, and an assistant or two, but also that big network 
right? Or those people that find value in your videos, things like that. For some businesses, you know, a, a plumbing company or something, it's about having a plumbing company job and values and organization that plumbers want to work there instead of the plumbing company down the street. And if you can get those people, you can get more customers a lot of times because you've got the best, happiest people. And it's, that's the long-term route to success is building teams that like each other and like their roles, like their leadership, like the way that they feel listened to and heard. And, uh, and I guess that's probably the principle for, you know, for building those networks. If you don't have a network, you know, help connect people, you know, help first. I had a, I introduced somebody just the other day. I met a fellow at a chamber meeting. He's fresh here. He's done like four startups and been a awesome FinTech consultant in San Francisco area, moved here with all of his brains and a bunch of money. And he wants to get involved. And I introduced him to uh, Allison from the warehouse business accelerator. And they sent a note back that said, this was great. We're so happy to be connected. And his wife visited and stuff. And I'm like, Ooh, that's just, yay. I made connections that didn't benefit me at all. But yeah. every time I make a connection like that, like that's coming back around. It might be a year, it might be five. Yeah. You, Who knows? You'll, you'll get better. That'll around and around and around. Yeah, exactly. So you, you answered my question from when we first started. I mean, that, that? you know, there, you know, it was like, you know, is there, there's not a secret side. There's, you know, people make the businesses, right. And you, you, that's exactly, I mean, you could have a great game plan, but if you don't have the support, you don't have people working together, then, you know, it's really hard to succeed it, no matter what business it is. And no matter whether it's Fort Collins or Miami, it's the same, same building blocks. Right. Right. It's very rare where there's like this asshole boss. Yeah. Can you say that in your podcast? Like in an organization. You can say whatever the fuck you want. And that, that, <laughs> and that that company succeeds for a long time. You know, sometimes a second generation kid will come in or something like that and be the asshole and the business will slowly deteriorate probably or that kind of thing. And that's why I'm not really big into a lot of forced and mandated employment practices and diversity things and, and college admissions and stuff is because like, I think if you're, at least in Colorado, maybe not in Texas, maybe not in Alabama. And so maybe I'm just ignorant, but at least in Colorado, if you're a racist ass, ain't nobody going to go to your store. Ain't nobody going to want to work for you. You know, if you, mm -hmm. and so like, don't fix problems that aren't there. And I think it, that's where small business really benefits, right. Is because people have so many choices and options. And, you know, when you're golden handcuffed into some corporation that's got your specialized into a very tight role and your skills only maybe transplant to a few other businesses even or something because that's kind of the way they like you you know then they can kind of be whatever kind of a they want to to some extent you, you're more trapped and you have to your customers and your employees like they can all go somewhere else anytime yeah. and so but but if you care for somebody you should treat them gently you know and mm -hmm. uh, you know open hand or warm hug sometimes helps too so yeah i was fortunate yes actually just yesterday had a uh, a really good conversation with uh, one of my assistants and just really kind of transparent, like how can I help, you know, communicate better so that my expectations are clear and how, you know, kind of like, you know, I think I, you know, I'm all about, you know, the kind of extreme personal responsibility side of things, because I think you can always bring it back to yourself and, but definitely I'm very, very vocal about how grateful I am for my team and how amazing they are. And it's kind of fun to hear both of you guys, even at the beginning of this conversation, before we went live, 
you know, Chris goes, Des is doing great. You're talking very highly about how it's needed that uh, one of your assistants, not just uh, volunteers, but it's almost like imperative that she speaks her mind um, because she's bringing a different perspective. But I think when your uh, employees and assistants and, and coworkers know that you benefit or that you value and, and uh, care about them as a person and uh, the relationship, it just makes going to work that much better. And because I mean, shoot, we're going to be doing, you know, eight hours a day or, or longer if you're working at uh, Bear's Backyard Grill, right. uh, you know, it, it's something that you better enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, I spend more time with Alma probably than my wife, almost right. if you don't count sleeping time, you know, right. And so we should enjoy ourselves uh, at work. And, you know, that work life, you know, it's not work life balance so much as it's work life integration, kind of. Uh, I've been blessed. Jill and I took a couple of short trips. Jill got COVID at the second one, but we went to Palm Springs. But, but, uh, and I got it from her on the rental car drive back. We listened to six episodes of Rogan back to back to back. Oh, wow. um, but uh, <laughs> we also went to Steamboat in the fall and, you know, we work in the morning and then play in the afternoon. We did color tour with the motorcycle and stuff. And like, that's like, if I can like, create and do and stay connected and, and whatever and still go do fun things like that's the kind of lifestyle i'm trying to develop and, and i think most of us in, in a fashion right definitely well we're kind of coming to an end but where where does loco think tank uh go from here is it is it growth it, it sounds like you're getting another group kind of the catalyst tiger group for lack of a better phrase probably trademark so sorry but you know where where's loco think tank going from here that's a good question. Um, and I've kind of had a shift of perspective on that lately. I, I thought it a few years ago that we could kind of develop a kit and a marketing communications plan and things like that, that would allow us to let kind of any facilitator anywhere start a group and we could do some of the legwork and do the billing and the different things and be a support to that. It's all about relationships though. And I worked hard all last summer trying to launch a group in Boulder. I've worked before to try to launch a group in Cheyenne. It was actually Longmont where my focus was this summer, but Longmont Boulder. And, and it didn't work because I don't have relationships with people in those places. And certainly the mask mandates and stuff didn't make it any easier. But I was like, you know, I'm kind of over it working so hard to not geographically scale. And I've got more demand here anyway. And it's an easier process. We've got brand recognition. So we're going to grow out here for the next at least this year, maybe we'll do some more geographic efforts, but my inclination now is to develop more of a license model where somebody in Boulder could be a Kurt Bear and they can, they can serve the, the semi-retired business achievers in, in Boulder by bringing them candidates to be members to those groups. And, and maybe they start with their own group, but they can be kind of a master franchisee or something like that. And we can, you know, serve them in some of the billing and different things probably, but not have to be the one that glues these other groups together. I, and partly it's because I love Fort Collins first and Northern Colorado, you know, we're basically Windsor, Greeley, Fort Collins, some Bertha, Wellington businesses in our membership now. And I, I, it's hard for me to say I really care as much about Boulder, you know, I want them to prosper. I want them to have more of what we have, but I don't, I don't really want to be the guy that brings it there. So I'm, you know, if I get a little bit bigger, I'll have enough juice that I can like try to kind of create some kind of franchise or license document conversations, have some intellectual property protection, and hopefully be famous as a podcaster eventually. Right. Um, and that can be, 
I go down to Pueblo and interview the five most interesting business people I can find down there. And there you go. That's my contribution to you getting a group started. Maybe I go down there and be a speaker for an event because I'm Fort Collins famous, but, but nobody really cares in Pueblo anyway. But uh, who knows like where it goes, but that would be my real dream is being able to like tour around Colorado, tour around even a, a wider region eventually and do amazing podcasts with super interesting people in my $200,000 uh, Sprinter mini home. There you go. All wheel drive, lifted. Those things are solar. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> my my brother-in-law has one. Those things are crazy. <laughs> with a podcast studio inside. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be sweet. So that's the dream. A lot, a lot of levers and buttons to push along the along the way there. But uh, you know, we got time. Well, Kurt, I, we're our, uh, our one of our other episodes coming up. We're going to be tackling Port Collins breweries, Patrick and I. And so uh, we always like to ask: Do you have a do you have a favorite watering hole here in Fort Collins, or uh, what's uh, maybe hmm. a, like an under the radar brewery that you want to bring up for us? Well, um, the last startup loan that I financed was Black Bottle Brewery. Oh. And uh, Sean Duck, I, I went Sean, to elementary school with Sean. I've known right him for on. 35 years. He was, uh, I, I think life. he was my episode 50 or 49 or something like that. Yeah. So you can give that one a listen. Yeah. Um, and so, and and he does half price growlers on Sundays and Wednesdays, and nobody else does that shit. So it's some of the best food of any brewery. Oh, great food too. Yeah. So they're they're my go to. Cool. Um, I've really enjoyed Stodgy Brewing. Just opened up about a mile down the road from my house this year. They've got they've always got a great gluten free uh, rotation beer on there. And, uh, and they got, you know, maybe the, you know, maybe Odell's is better, but the stodgy patio is pretty awesome. Old school. So, uh, that, so that would probably be my, uh, second go-to and Odell's is, you know, the king. And, uh, in my opinion, yeah. always has the highest quality product and when it, I, I want to get Win Odell on my podcast, she tentatively said yes about a year ago when I was just Ooh. launching. And then she was like, I don't know. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a good one. She would yeah. be awesome. I, I have a lot of respect for her. And uh, so Odell's gets a, a share of those spending dollars too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, we'll provide contact information. Like, you know, like we talked about, this is a, a lot of people that are looking at considering Port Collins as either their uh, current or future home and uh, business owners, I think, definitely could benefit from, like you said, the different kind of stratas of where you could offer advice and knowledge and, and leverage others' experiences. So we'll, we'll get all that information down below in the, in the notes section okay. and uh, link it to you, but definitely appreciate yeah. you taking the time to- Well, and you know, I'll meet for coffee with anybody. Uh, and so even if you're not a business owner, but you've got dreams of it, uh, or if you're just moved to town and you just want a, a navigator. I know Patrick, you've been around here forever as well, but you know, I know a lot of the clubs, the nonprofits, I, like I'm happy to just have a coffee with anybody and learn their story and see if I can connect them to somebody that they should meet. Kurt, thanks so much. Great meeting you. Appreciate it. Hey, Chris, you. same. Yeah. Thanks, Patrick. It's a joy. All right. Until next time. Take care, guys. Bye for now.